Welcome to the Thomistic Institute podcast. Our mission is to promote the Catholic intellectual tradition in the university, the church, and the wider public square. The lectures on this podcast are organized by university students at Thomistic Institute chapters around the world. To learn more and to attend these events, visit us at ThomisticInstitute.org. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for still being there. So. Uh, I imagine you are a bit tired after a long day, and uh, I hope that after my talk, we, uh, I think you will become superhero too. <laughs> yeah. So I will try to, to be brief. I think in 20, 25 minutes, that should be okay. At the end of a wonderful day of study on the priesthood based on the proceedings of the Roman Symposium of February 2022, I warmly thank all the participants who spoke and all those who made it possible to organize this event in the capital of the United States. To conclude this day briefly, let us turn to the future to ask the question, what future for the priesthood? The enthusiasm of this meeting and the warmth of the debates should not hide from us the worrying crisis that the Church is going through in terms of vocations, as well as the polarizations that affect it in the world and in America because of its immersion in cultures that are in the grip of wars, ideologies, radicalizations, and conflicts. The Church is a force for peace, justice, and love. But it is often challenged by currents of thought and interest that seek to use it for purposes other than its own mission. The Second Vatican Ecumenical Council redefined the presence and role of the Church in today's world by means of the enlarged concept of sacrament, which refers to her Trinitarian roots and her missionary identity. I quote, The Church is in Christ as a sacrament, that is, a sign and means of bringing about intimate union with God and the unity of the whole human race. Lumen Gentium number one. This sacramental vision leads to a new insight into the relationship between the Church and the world, no longer an open conflict with modernity, but an opening to dialogue in a missionary perspective. What future is there for the priesthood in the sacramental framework redefined by the Council? The question is complex and even paradoxical, since in the West there is a growing disaffection with the sacrament, especially the Eucharist and even baptism, not to mention sacrament of holy orders which is the subject of numerous disputes in our time, as we listen to the Synod, 
and also as we learn of the scandalous sins of some clergy. Has not the time not come in Catholicism for a shift of emphasis towards a fundamental theology of the priesthood, which reframes the, the hierarchical ministry by restoring our appreciation of the common priesthood of the baptized? This is the question that motivated and inhabited the deliberations of the Roman Symposium of February 2022. It must be admitted that our Catholic culture is rather biased and one-sided in this respect. When we mention priesthood, we still think immediately and exclusively of bishops and priests of the specific role that the hierarchical ministry exercises in the Church, as if apart from this specific mediation in the order of grace, we could not imagine another that involves the whole of the people of God. The current synodal research seeks to overcome this ecclesia ecclesiological narrowness but the rich and relevant phase of listening that we are experiencing does not necessarily awaken the priestly conscience of the whole of the faithful. It is as if the Second Vatican Ecumenical Council had remained a dead letter in terms of highlighting a fundamental priestly orientation that directly affects the missionary and synodal conversion of the Church. The dogmatic constitution of the Church, Lumen Gentium, has firmly and prudently clarified that there are two fundamental participations in the one priesthood of Christ, that of the community of the faithful based on baptism and that of ordained ministers based on the sacrament of holy order. The question that then arises is the following. How are these two participation in the one priesthood of Christ articulated? This is a question of great ecumenical significance, and much has been written for and against this conciliar teaching. Lumen Gentium 10 affirms the essential difference between these two participation, but does not provide a theological explanation of their relationship because of the lack of pneumatological insight and an encompassing concept of priestly mediation. Filling the gap has been the focus of my theological essay in this Symposium for a Fundamental Theology of the Priesthood. The concept of mediation developed in this essay is based on a Trinitarian theology articulated in the mystery of the incarnation of the Word and culminating in a pneumatology that links intra-Trinitarian love 
with the communication of divine life to the world through the mediation of Christ and the Church. Such an approach may seem abstract at first sight and too detached from questions of organization and structure, but on reflection, with an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, we can lay a foundation for a more balanced treatment of questions of power sharing and strategy. I start from the fact that the incarnation of the eternal Son of the Father gives a human form to Trinitarian love, a pascal and nuptial form that communicates the Holy Spirit to all humanity through the body of Christ that is the Church. My perspective is also soteriological, in that the redemption of humanity does not end with the cross and resurrection of Christ, but leads to its participation in the Trinitarian life through the Paschal gift of the Holy Spirit. Two Ioannine texts particularly inspire this development. The first is that of Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman, where he says, I quote, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, this water will become in him a spring of eternal life. John 4, 14. The more explicit text of John 7, 37 adds to the mention of the Spirit as the source of living water, the fact that the believer's participation in the very gushing forth of the source, I quote, On the last day, the most solemn day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, Whoever is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his womb shall flow rivers of living water. The believer's participation in the Paschal gift of the Holy Spirit is confirmed by the words that conclude this passage. The Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. The gift of the Holy Spirit received in faith confers on the believer, already in this life, a true participation in eternal life, an existential participation which involves him in the processions of Trinitarian love. This divine life is transposed into the life of the Church through the continuous process of the incarnation of Trinitarian love, whose Christic and pneumatic dimensions are then expressed in sacramental form. Hence, the baptismal structure of the Church, which communicates to the members of the body of Christ a participation in its filial identity. All the baptized men and women, having received the seal of divine sonship, 
participate as sons and daughters of God in the Son in his filial Trinitarian life, which includes participation in the mystery of his co-spiration of the Holy Spirit with the Father. This participation of every baptized person in the relationship between Christ and the Spirit is, in my opinion, the foundation and essence of the common priesthood of the faithful. Indeed, just as the only Son of the Father in eternity co-spires the gift of the Holy Spirit, that is, with the Father he breathes forth the Spirit, so, in the economy of salvation, Christ grants to those who are ontologically marked by his sonship to participate in his co-spiration, his co-breathing forth of the Holy Spirit. The Council, the council says this in less explicit terms, but which nonetheless emphasize the priestly dimension, dimension of the lives of the baptized. I quote, Therefore, the laity, in as much as they are consecrated to Christ and anointed by the Holy Spirit, are wonderfully called and gifted, so that the most abundant fruit of the Spirit may always be produced in them. In fact, all their works, prayers, and apostolic initiatives, their married and family life, their daily work, the rest of their soul and body, if they are carried out in the Spirit, and even the trials of life, if they are patiently born, become spiritual sacrifices pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. And these sacrifices are piously offered to the Father in the Eucharistic celebration with the oblation of the body of the Lord. In this way, the laity, in a holy and universal adoration, consecrate the world itself to God. Lumen Gentium 34. This is the priestly mission of the lay faithful to worship God in spirit and truth, to consecrate the world to God, to infuse the spirit of the gospel into the structures and enterprises of this world, to communicate the Holy Spirit of God through their witness of faith, hope, and charity, thus fostering a fraternal climate in all their human relationships, opening the way to the freedom of the Spirit, who can then intensify his sanctifying action in the world in view of the fulfillment of the reign of God. If we want to define the priesthood from this pneumatological viewpoint, the word mediation comes spontaneously to mind. Mediation of the Holy Spirit, who flows from the risen body of Christ, 
mediation of the Holy Spirit, who also flows from his ecclesial body, especially from the baptized who lead a holy life. This mediation, present and active in the lives of the baptized, comes forth from the Paschal mystery of Christ and culminates in the gift of the Holy Spirit, which ultimately transposes Trinitarian communion into ecclesial communion. If the priesthood is thus defined in a general and fundamental way as a mediation, a passive active mediation of the Holy Spirit, we can now ask ourselves whether this definition is applicable to the ordained priesthood, whether episcopal or presbyteral. It is firmly established in Catholic ecclesiology that its hierarchical constitution is based on the sacrament of order, which confers a permanent spiritual ecclesial mark on the subject chosen to exercise this pastoral ministry. How can we distinguish this new participation in the unique priesthood of Christ from the participation of the baptized? This fundamental question invites us to contemplate the mystery of Christ in a differentiated way, distinguishing first of all his filial identity, the source of the baptismal priesthood, but then distinguishing his paternal dimension, which derives from the fact that Christ becomes incarnate not only as the Son, but also as the envoy of the Father, as the Father's representative, as the Father's minister, charged with manifesting his paternal nearness his paternal love, his merciful goodness. This ministry of the incarnate Son in relation to the Father constitutes the foundation of the sacrament of order in the Church, the foundation of the paternal authority of Christ's ministers, which refers to his representation of the Father. Now. In what way is this participation in the one priesthood of Christ related to the Holy Spirit? The answer to this question is important because it goes to the heart of the division between Catholics and Protestants, a point that needs to be explored setting aside the polemics that sometimes marks this division. Let me answer it by quoting a key paragraph from my lecture, which summarizes the relationship of the Holy Spirit to the Paschal mystery of Christ. I quote, If the incarnate Word of God was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and if the Holy Spirit accompanied him throughout the incarnation, it was so that he could fulfill 
his uh, 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 that he could fully live his human condition and his mission as son of the father aided by his filial spirit in order to accomplish his redemptive mission which consisted in bearing the sin of the world in his offering of love on the cross and in obtaining the absolution of the Father in response to his sacrifice. It is then that the fullness of the Holy Spirit is communicated to him as the Spirit of the Father, the sovereign Spirit who absolves sins, raises the dead, and pneumatizes Christ's humanity into a life-giving spirit capable of continuing in history in a new corporeal and sacramental form in the church, the body and bride of the risen Christ. End of quote. The fundamental difference between the two participation in the one priesthood of Christ is thus based here on pneumatology, which distinguishes the spirit of the Son as the source of the filial priesthood and the, the spirit of the Father as the source of the paternal priesthood of ordained ministers. In this Trinitarian perspective, it is evident that the two are ordered to each other, the most fundamental being the eternal filial priesthood, at whose service the hierarchical sacramental priesthood develops during the time of the economy of salvation. The latter consists of a ministry of the word and sacraments coupled with an authority to make the Christian community grow in holiness, which is the fulfillment of its existential and missionary priesthood. Can there be a better basis for harmony between the different vocations, ministries, and charisms in the Church than participation in the Trinitarian communion? What then is the future of the priesthood. If a narrow view of the priesthood limited to ministers seems outdated or in crisis, the priestly perspective of the symposium just mentioned indicates the way forward for the missionary conversion of the church. Who can fail to see the relevance of this mystical approach to revalorize ecclesial communion and thus reawaken the joy of Christian existence? Can we not draw from it decisive lights for a more balanced ecclesiology regarding the relationship between pastors and faithful, especially in order to overcome the rivalries, conflicts, and power struggles that occupy so much space in certain synodal proposals. Does the pneumatological approach advocated here 
not allow for the consolidation of the culture of encounter so dear to Pope Francis and the harmonious collaboration between the various charisms that shape the ecclesial community, should not a vision of the communion of vocations articulated in this way give rise to a vocational enthusiasm that is wider than the usual practice of voca vocational pastoral work. In short, despite the dramas and priestly failures of our times, for which we do not evade responsibility, the global vision offered here revives the hope of a new vocational and priestly springtime involving the whole Church and confirming its fidelity to the Holy Spirit in the search for a synodal Church. Thank you for your attention. We have time for some questions. Yes, ma'am. Your Eminence, would you be able to speak to would you be able to speak to the relationship between your pneumatological paradigm and the nuptial paradigm, which you've spoken of so many times? Thank you for the question. Could bring us very far. So when I say that the way incarnate love, the Trinitarian incarnate love is manifested in history, it is uh, uh, with the, 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 the concept of uh, uh, covenant, the covenant between Christ and the Church, and it is a nuptial, nuptial covenant. So the Holy Spirit is the bond of the covenant, and the Holy Spirit is given uh, through the, the full incarnation of Christ. Uh, as I said, you know, the, the, the whole process of incarnation is the unfolding of Trinitarian love. And it, it, it ends up in the nuptial mystery of Christ and the Church. And in a way that is uh, uh, showing to the world and through faith the, the intimate essence of the Holy Trinity. So I understand the Spirit in the Holy Trinity as nuptial love, nuptial love. So, uh, it's because you have paternal love, filial love, and how do you define the Holy Spirit? Nuptial love. That's the way I understand the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. So it is translated into the economy of incarnation in the relationship between Christ and the Church, which is linked by the bond of the Holy Spirit, of nuptial love in the Trinity. And so nuptial love between Christ and the Church, and then it has an impact on all the relationships in the Church. So. 
Christ is the bridegroom, and the church is the bride. The one that represents Christ, the bridegroom, so uh, he, he has a nuptial uh, um, role to embody the bridegroom. The one that is responding uh, to the love of the bridegroom, the bride, so you have the basis for consecrated life in all its form. You know, that's the response to the bridegroom. And uh, all the charismatic dimension of the church uh, between, between the Father and the Son, uh, you have the Holy Spirit, which is also uh, it, it, its own property, its own freedom. So that is manifested in the charismatic, the very various ways of charisms in the church. That is the field of the Holy Spirit in its freedom, creativity, unity, you know, and, um, and mission. Fostering communion, fostering mission. The church is a mystery of love. Bishop, please. Your Eminence, if I understood you correctly, uh, you were saying that the, for the, the uh, priesthood of the baptized uh, the, is the spirit of the Son Know, which animates them and gives life to their priesthood, right? Yes. But the spirit of the Father that animates the ordained yes. priest gives him his particular role yes. in the life of the faithful. Uh, could you expand a little bit more on that distinguishing? Uh, we don't want to think they're two Holy Spirits, you know. I do a lot of confirmation, so I don't know how many. I would say it's the same Holy Spirit that the apostles got. Okay. The way that whenever, but to just could you go expand on that a little bit more, the, yes. the Spirit of Christ okay. uh, or Spirit of the Son and the Spirit of the Father? Thank you for your question. It uh, allows me to say something else and to answer your question on confirmation. Um, so, but after. Um, so, uh, on the priesthood, you know, uh, uh, there is some some novelty in what I'm saying. Eh? I am aware of that, and you are not ob obliged to follow me. Uh, uh, so, uh, but uh, that's I I look for the way to distinguish the uh, the, the participation in the the one priesthood of Christ in in two forms. So I have distinguished the the filial, uh, the priesthood of the baptized. The, the seal, the seal of the baptized is the seas of divine sonship. That's what you receive from baptism, the grace of divine sonship. That's the grace of baptism. And so I'm saying that this grace allows you uh, to offer with Christ, but also allows you not only the ascending priesthood, but the mediation, but also the descending mediation. The descending mediation is not only the ministerial priesthood. It is also part of uh, the, the filial priesthood. And the, 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 the ultimate foundation is the role of the Son in the Trinity, which is uh, breathing forth the Holy Spirit with the Father. So when the Son is incarnate, he is bringing Trinitarian life to, to the flesh. And so uh, within the flesh, uh, he is bringing to the baptized the participation in this breathing forth the Spirit for, to the world. That's the mission of the laity. We are there 
you know, to bring the spirit to the world, the spirit of the gospel, we say. But who is the spirit of the gospel? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the one we breathe with, with uh, you know, believing in Jesus. We, we just share in his life, and he is breathing the spirit. And that's what we, what we are doing with him. So it enriches our vision of, 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 priest, of the priestly, the priesthood, priesthood. The, the priest identity of the baptized. Okay, so when, when I, I, I try to express that also pneumatologically, so if, if you follow the, the incarnation, you know that there is a very key moment of the incarnation, which is the, the, the sacrifice of Christ, his death, his death. And then um, read Roman 1.4. The kerygma of Roman 1 for he's been um, uh, resurrected from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He has been made a son of God with power, son of God with power. So what is this power? So he has received then from the Father the fullness of the Spirit. He's been glorified. He has received the fullness of the Spirit. I call it the Spirit of the Father. Why? Because that's the answer of the Father to the sacrifice of the Son. You know, the Son, you know, we look at our crucifix, you know, the, the Lord has, this is the great epiclesis. He is, he is invoking the Father to, to give the Spirit to the world, to, to absolve the sins of the world. So, and, and with the resurrection, the Father is answering the prayer of the Son, the sacrifice of the Son. And that is the, uh, I, the fatherly spirit. And this is kept in the church in holy orders. You know? And if, if you allow me some more Trinitarian theology there, um, I say that for, for the theologian here, uh, more specific, the moment of the procession of the Holy Spirit in the immanent trinity, this moment is translated in the economy in the moment of resurrection. The moment of resurrection and Pentecost, if you want, uh, together, is the moment of the procession of the Holy Spirit in the, in the Holy Trinity. So this is a key, a key vision. You know, that is the, the ground, and it, it makes the, the, the question of priesthood much more simple, much more simple and fundamental, and fundamental. The whole question of priesthood is that the Holy Trinity wants to share its own intimate life, and, and its own intimate life, that's the Holy Spirit of love, who is bonding the Father and the Son in love, you know, sealing the... The unity of God as love. So this is our, our God and the mystery of God that we share in. The baptized participate in giving the Spirit to the world. And the ministers are giving the Spirit to the community first, to the, through pre preaching the Word and giving the sacraments. We are, we are giving the Holy Spirit. So... So that's, that's my view uh, of uh, my understanding 
of, of how the Trinity is enmeshed, is incarnate in the life of the church. You know, the love of the Holy Spirit is not to, to, to spiritualize people as if the flesh would be insignificant. On the contrary, you know, the Holy Spirit is and following up the, the incarnation of love. So after Christ, and, and so continuing through, through the Word, through the sacraments, and through the body of the church, which is the body of Christ. So the, it is always a, a mystery of incarnation of Trinitarian love. So that's the overall vision uh, from which we can renew all the reflection and the theology of the priesthood. Thanks for listening to this lecture on the Thomistic Institute podcast. The generosity of people like you makes this podcast possible. If you enjoy these talks, please consider showing your support at www.thomisticinstitute.org donate. Your donation of even a dollar helps us reach more college students and many others with the powerful truths of the faith and it ensures that we can keep publishing top-notch lectures on this podcast. Thanks a lot.